man what's going on y'all it's your boy kendall g man don't forget the g and uh i got my boy here with me hello what's happening everybody um this is sports talk i'm bean and we got kendall g here and we're gonna just talk about some different dynamics of the sports um mainly today it'll be about boxing So man, you know, we uh we got a whole lot of things going on, man, right now, uh, especially in the sport of boxing. Um, I mean everything from Tyson Fury, everything from the return of Deontay Wilder. You know, can Tank stay as that top dog on the top of his game? I mean, I mean, where where do we go, man? It's it's a whole lot going on, man. Uh, we just seen the wrath of uh alexander Usyk against aj i mean what what a match that was you know um and i know you being a aj fan um alone i know that you had a lot of stuff maybe on your mind after the match you know um you know we had guys uh in the comments and and through different articles and whatnot talking about how irate AJ was I mean do you do you really feel that uh I uh AJ had a right to be irate as he was it's a thin line between you know we as people we are just human beings regardless of your title um things of that nature so basically what he did and what Saul caught on film is the way he might act out behind the scenes, but I just think it boiled over. So then the whole world got to see a true raw emotion from AJ because everybody looks at him as, oh, he's clean cut. He don't cuss a lot. He's the model guy of the boxing world. But deep down, he was a street hustler back in London. So yeah, some of that came out and people were saying he exposed and showed who he truly was. But I wouldn't say that. Humans are humans. Um, just me knowing people here in America, um, we're a little bit different. We might move a little different than London, but at the same time, humans are humans. And I'll just speak from experience, like people that I may have worked with or grew up in the neighborhood with. Um, I know a guy did a long time uh, in prison here in America, in Ohio, actually in Columbus, Ohio, at the time I lived lived there. And he had made a post on Facebook saying how a person like him who was striving to be a better man in society, now a working man, raising a son and things of that nature, that at one time, it was that real dark side of him that he's trying to, he's trying his best daily to tuck that demon away. That person that could, if confronted, come back out in a bad way. So people are just people, man. Every day people are just trying to get better. You can't always hold people for something that happened 10 or 15 years ago. Um, cause people evolve. Um, 
they might be in sticky situations. That's one thing my dad used to say. You can come from a certain environment and get caught up in all the turmoil and all the temptations of the neighborhood and misguided or whatever, but then it could click mentally or you could just be burnt out on that lifestyle and eventually look for something to be legit so you can do and still make your income without looking over your shoulders, worried about being put over by the police because you know everything is registered properly. You know, things like that. You know what I'm saying? And you recognize it too, Kendall G, because our family from the same little neighborhood. Um, So shout out to Lincoln Heights, Zone 15. Um, So yeah, pretty much AJ just showed that, hey, I'm a human at the end of the day. That's what that was. Um, was it necessarily the right thing to do? I mean, from a professional standpoint, no, but being a human just is what it is. Right. I think once he had time to cool down because he was caught up in the situation in the moment, he probably looked back in hindsight like, well, damn, look what I done did. And he's not the only one. I mean, it's people just in general they probably look and reflect back on some of their past mistakes. Like, wow, I actually did that or actually said that. But once you grow, you know, you evolve. Snoop Dogg went up on stage with uh, Suge Knight that time. And they say, y'all don't love us, but um, East Coast, whoop-de-whoop. That could have started a riot. Now that they survived through those moments, Snoop probably looks back at it like, wow, I can't believe I did what I did. And you know what? Another thing, another thing, though, that I love to, like, put on what what Cuzzo Gene said, man. Uh, I mean, it's a whole lot of scrutiny about a guy who have come from the same backgrounds that a lot of us came from, you know? He's come from the same backgrounds. Yeah, he he's from across the pond. It's it's a lot of it's a lot of different places, but it's the same results that we got here. You know, we and for us to judge another man uh for the way he reacts in certain situations, we're really judging ourselves. Um I think that's what people have to understand because hey, look, listen. Look, I wake up every day, I go to work, um, I try not to judge myself. I try my best not to judge myself because I know I'm doing the best that I can. And it's the same thing with Joshua. He's just doing the best he can. He's been in this profession. What? I understand because of what? Since he was six, right? Since he was about six or or did he or did he fight late? He fought late. Uh, Joshua. Oh, actually, have you brought that up? Yeah, AJ actually, um, because he was catching those cases over there in London and was facing prison time, um, from my understanding, a close friend of his told him, you know, Hey, try boxing. Cause prior to him becoming a boxer, AJ was told by a friend to go to a gym, a local gym. Well, he didn't feel like it was for him. So I would assume AJ was probably 16, 17. This ain't for me. Well, went back into his street life, catching cases and facing mass prison time. 
So then it was that second chance, like, okay, you left the boxing thing. Do you want to go back to it and try to make it work, basically? Right. So at the age of 18, which is basically a young, grown man, he picked up boxing. Um, Deontay Wilder, in the same aspect, he picked up boxing when he was 20 or 21. So you got two guys, one American, one um, British, but they both started boxing late as grown men. So in all fairness to both of them, to do what they have done is remarkable being that they had a late start. People will never give them that credit. And they'll say that, oh, well, amateur has nothing to do with um, professional because it's a, it's a different skill set, things of that nature. But I feel like if amateurs had nothing to do with pros, why do people like Mike Tyson bring that up in his podcast? He said that. He said, Usyk has a huge amateur background and it shows, you know, as far as his um, ring IQ and the things he, he knows how to do, how he knows how to adapt. It's more like a second nature. I mean, a person who learns something like riding a bike, for instance, I'm just using this analogy. So if you teach a kid at five or six to ride a bike, he'll start to adapt on how to ride it. And eventually he don't need training wheels. And then after a while, you could teach him how to do tricks on his bikes, how to go up ramps, how to do wheelies and all these different things. You take a grown man who's never rode a bike in his life at 18. It's going to be a struggle and it's going to look funny. Cause this is something that he's just learning. You know what I'm saying? So that's the way I look at it personally. And, um, uh, that's my opinion, but everyone won't agree. But, um, uh, I think amateur does have something to do with the, the mental strength and the mental know-how stepping into pros. It kind of preps you kind of like a person going from elementary school and eventually high school to college. College is the pros. High school was teaching you on how to deal with the world. So when you step into college, you kind of already have that mental fortitude of knowing. Right. And I will say. Like the, the whole moral of this is that like it, it doesn't take much to support somebody. It, it doesn't. Um, and a guy like. I got like AJ has been at the top for so long, man. And we have to start normalizing uh, being normal. That's what I'm trying to say. Because once, and look, for my opinion, I know I'm going to get a whole lot of, you know, back back feedback from this. But from my opinion, I'm a fan. I'm a fan of Floyd. But honestly, I think it's Floyd's Mayweather's fault. I, me personally, as a person, I think... That is Floyd's fault. I mean, as great as Floyd was, I mean, is, I'm sorry, as great as Floyd is, you know, the man has never tasted a defeat. He's never tasted a defeat before. Um, who who would we be to say that Floyd wouldn't get mad from his first defeat? But he's just that great to where he never had to taste that. But like I said, not to get off subject, but I feel like it's Floyd's fault. Because now a lot of these new guys and a lot of these new boxers coming up feels like if they take one loss, it's the end of the world. It's the end of the world. Like, 
and I keep going back over that. Me and me and Cuzzo and and our boy Tone, which I will meet at you know, a later time. Uh, but we we've watched countless matches since last year, even before that. I mean the the history between between us just extends far. I'm just letting y'all know. But um, but yeah, like I I just see so many guys. Uh, come into this game and they lose and then they like, oh man, dang, like now I can't challenge the top guy where now I got to retire off of one loss. So what I'm trying to say is that, you know, Joshua, with Joshua losing, he lost like a couple times in, in a row from what I know, but uh, it's not the end of the world, man. It's not. It is not the end of the world. It's not. These guys do what first, people? They fight. That's what they do. They fight. They, their mentality is is a fighter. Their their everyday home life. I bet you what what up? But they fight when they you know when they're in the gym working. They fight. That's the first thought in their mentality because they're a fighter at the core. That's what I I truly think. And uh, I just think that uh, we just need to kind of start giving these boxers more respect because getting in the ring. You know, yes, I have a lot of family. Like, we have a lot of family that have experienced uh, things of such, uh, being in the ring, fighting, and different stuff like that. But me being a spectator from the outside, it it takes a lot, though, for somebody to get in the ring and call yourself a warrior in that square circle. You can die in there. It's a lot of people who did. It's a lot of people who got hurt. So I feel like, come on, y'all, like, even myself, I challenge myself as a fan to start giving respect to more of these fighters. Yes. I, you know, I bash a couple guys. Yeah. You know, that's, that's just me. Uh, but in all realness, I do respect them for what they do. I do. Um, so yeah, that, that's, that's my thought process about the whole AJ thing, man. We just got to start being real with ourselves. Yeah. Like we really do. But, uh, we gonna move on to another topic because, um, something that's been real, Real, real hot in the boxing world right now, man, because it's been people uh, talking about this for a couple weeks now, you know, <laughs> the whole story about A.B., Adrian Broner, all right? It's a lot of thoughts that come up when you hear Adrian Broner, right? A whole lot of thoughts. Um, man, what a talent. He, he's a talent. Uh, one, once compared to the great Floyd Mayweather. Um, what? I know this is cliche to ask, Ozo. I know it is. But for the people out there that need a, a deeper understanding of things, in your opinion, what happened to AB? All right. Adrian Broner, Cincinnati Westside, where he, uh, he hails from our city. Um... I think what it was with him, this is something he had did all his life, and he talked about it in a podcast that, you know, hip-hop, rapping, he likes that. But boxing was his first love. So he was kind of raised in that uh, with his dad and his brother twin. Um, And what you see from A.B., the flashy, the brash, all that stuff, it's all well and good for entertainment. But I think deep down inside, he just that raw, 
dude from the hood that he's not the Hollywood type of person. Um, he's the type of guy. I mean, it's obvious I bumped into him at a bar in Lincoln Heights um, that his brother opened with some friends. And, uh, you know, he was just hanging out with normal day people. Which, don't get me wrong, it's cool to be real or what you call keep it real. But then it's a thin line even with that and professionalism at the same time too. Because you can get so deep into being with certain people, not saying that everybody's using you, but you don't know who's really like your true friends are now. Like, are these people affiliated with this person coming in camp just because... You know what I'm saying? They have a different um, motive because they think they don't get a piece of the pie, things of that nature. So you got to pick and choose wisely, I think, uh, with the with the company you keep once you start to get bigger. Um, it's cool to go back home, but you need a place where you reside, where you're away from all that, so your mind can be at peace. You're not caught up in all the rapture of everyday life of where you're actually from. And Cincinnati is not a big city. We're considered a major city in America, but compared to like Chicago, L.A., New York, um, Houston, Dallas, Texas, we're a small city compared to these major cities in America. So here it's so easy to get caught up in some type of drama or whatever because everybody runs in these cer certain circles or another person knows this person and it's easy to get caught up if you're living that certain lifestyle uh, for AB he couldn't just focus on on boxing alone he still had that trying to shake off the demons of uh, probably alcoholism and um running the par the parallels of running the street. Um, you know, he couldn't like decipher to be on the sidewalk when he's a boxer. He was still trying to be in the fast lane in the streets at the same time. And they both can't exist. Um, in my opinion. That's a that's a great <laughs> I feel like that's a great analysis of things, you know. Um, man, like, I'm an AB fan. I am. I'm an AB fan. I really am. Uh, I mean, man, the guys had so many classics, man. You know what I mean? From uh, Theo Payne to to, uh, to Adrian Granados. You know I mean, you got Sean Porter. He almost beat Sean Porter. That's a top elite fighter. And... Just by AB showing what he did in all those fights, that's why his fans are out here going so hard for him because they know what he can do. They know what AB can do, man. It's just people, once once your mind isn't there, once your mind ain't there, the rest of your heart and your fight ain't going to be there too. It's not. Um, and, and first, the first thing in boxing that I do know Besides the physical, is the mental. That's that's one thing I do know. Because if you're not there, you might potentially get in the ring. 
you may snap. You may snap on somebody or you may give up on yourself. It just what Cuzzo was saying, it just doesn't they they go hand in hand. Just everything has to be right for you to fight uh, a good fight. Um and I'm reading a quote here from uh ESPN after A B pulled out of the fight with Figueroa. And I quote, he says, just pray for me. I love the sport of boxing too much to not give my all. I feel like I came up short before because my mind wasn't 100% there. He said, I will never make that mistake again. Okay, well, here's, here's the problem, though. Here's the problem. You won't make that mistake again because... Honestly, I don't think there are going to be any mistakes for you to make because I don't think I don't think nobody's going to reach out. And I love A.B. I do. But you ever heard the saying that you can't cross the same bridges? You can't cross the same bridges all the time. They may not be there about 10 or 20, 30 something years from now. We may go back to the spot to where we grew up. We may be living out of town or something somewhere. We may come back and that bridge ain't there no more. Things change. Things change, man, and that's you know it's 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 very it's very heartbreaking. It really is because this was his make or break moment, man. It was everybody knew it. He was supposed to come back in this fight. He was supposed to show people that he was somebody. We know we you know as a as a fan, yeah. Ab, he's messed up a lot. He's messed up a lot. Um. And, you know, I'm I'm a brutally honest guy. You know, he's he's definitely living up to his nickname, the problem. I hate to say it. He's definitely living up to that. But not to say things can't change around. I mean, A.B. is, what, 33, 34 years old? Man, he can get in there and turn things around right now. He can. You know, put him in there against a, I don't know, Hey, put him in there against a Roly Romero. Roly already called him out. Why not? Roly already called AB out. Y'all cannot say that that would not be one of the most entertaining fights in the world. Come on, man. Roly talking. Adrian Broner's talking at the top of his game. I'm telling you, hey, that's an event. It's an event, people. That's something that you cannot say that you guys will not pay for. No matter win or loss. Y'all will pay to see the trash talk of Roley and Adrian Broner. Y'all would. That's one thing A.B. does. He's, whether you were there to watch him lose, whether you're there to watch him win, he will put butts in seats. He will. That's what he do. And, you know, with him moving forward in life, I just hope that he finds peace, like seriously, within himself to know that he can do this. It, it, like I said, everything is a mental battle, but man, and he's been, I want to clarify this. I'm sorry. I do want to clarify this. Um, For all the people out there thinking that this is uh something new going on with AB, uh, being from Cincinnati, being up close and seeing him and, you know, interacting with people who knows him. Um, This isn't anything new with his mental health. This is nothing new. Um, and that just lets you know that, you know, if you're a fan of somebody or something, you know, research it, learn about it, understand that person, understand that place, 
understand it because it's a lot of slander going on with him and you have to really understand where he's coming from. He's been like this for a while, people. He's been like this for a long time. Um, So, like I said, man, prayers for Brother Broner, uh, man. Prayers for him, man. And, uh, hey, hopefully we'll see Champ back in the ring, man. Yeah, yep. Um, so just uh to touch back up on Adrian Broner. Um, yeah, I mean, here you had a young man coming up out of the trenches of Cincinnati and uh, he uh grew up, you know, watching Floyd Mayweather fights and things like that. So that to him was very captivating and intriguing. That's like me growing up looking at Mike Tyson. I'm like, whoa, you know, when I was like seven years old, way back in 1987, I can remember that far back and I'll be 43 soon. And uh, being like seven years old, Mike Tyson fighting Michael Spinks. And I'm on Shepherd Lane um, at my late uncle, William Price's house, me and my dad. And I always remember that, man, Mike just having that ferocious look on his face uh that mentality and um that seek and destroy mindset man and um that energy michael spinks was a good boxer now he was definitely a better boxer than mike tyson um as far as the technician level but he didn't have the power that mike had and he didn't have that seek and destroy mentality that Mike had. So that just had Spinks intimidated. You know what I'm saying? He was he was scared to death. And uh and Mike definitely uh went inside that ring and destroyed him. But that's just something that I always remember is Mike was one of my first boxers that I that made me love the sport as a young kid, you know, first, second grade. Um but back to AB, certain similarities lie with AB and Mike Tyson. Now, I won't say AB as far as drug use or nothing like that, but they both had their demons and they both were in that fast lane trying to um, be boxers, but also had one leg with these with the streets and things like that. And then with Mike Tyson, he had Don King, which we all know a lot more about Don King if you research. But if you look at his movie, it gives you a big portion of how um, how, how off the chain he really was, you know. So that took a big toll on Mike's. Um, not only Mike, I mean, Muhammad Ali dealt with him, but he really, I think, got over on Mike. And then Mike... Uh, everybody's different mentally. You know, Mike lost Customato, which was like a father figure role model for him. So once Cus died, you're eventually getting caught up with somebody who's saying that they're your brother and loves you, but they're getting over on you. And that's what Don King was doing. So he really had no positive role model there to fill in that void. You know what I'm saying? And, um, he didn't have the same focus in boxing. And I know a lot of people say, oh, y'all just say this 
talking about prime Mike Tyson and this, that, and the other, but it's true. If you look at it, he just, he just, um, you know, everybody's different mentally. Some people are more fragile mentally than the next person. And I could never really understand it on the outside looking in. But if you just look at people's body languages or things like that, you can see, um, you know, like uh, two siblings could be in the same household and go through tra traumatic experiences growing up. But one of them, it could scar a different way and leave them a lot more messed up than the other. Where they both might feel the pain, but one of them is better at masking the pain. Where other one is, it shows because their mind is not in the right place. You know, stuff like that. And I think Mike just was more fragile mentally that once Cuss died, like um, Don King's getting over on him. He probably, probably had some type of mental breakdown. We don't know. We wasn't there with him. But um, like the Buster Douglas, you know, um, Speaking of Mike, um, that sticks out, the Buster Douglas fight in Tokyo. Now, if you go back and do your research, you can probably go on YouTube now. Um, I want to say Bobby Brown talked about it and somebody else, but they were basically saying, they were telling Mike, man, get you some rest. You got a big fight. And Mike Tyson responded to him and said, man, I'm going to get up. And tomorrow I'm going to knock this bum out. So that right there was already overconfidence. Overlooking your opponent. And not really training hard to take him seriously. And then you kicking it. I think it was like the night before with all these ladies and partying and all this. So don't get me wrong. It's his fault that he did that. But I do believe um, had they had a rematch and you had the Mike who was focused chances are he would have destroyed um, Buster Douglas in a rematch. Um, however, you know, what happened, happened, and you can't um, go back in time and change anything. Because uh, I wanted to say, like, you said something very interesting, man, because um, you were talking about just the mind and the mentality of Mike. Um, and, you know, I, it got it got me to thinking. And I've watched countless Mike Tyson interviews, countless uh, Mike Tyson documentaries. And when I look back, I'm like, dang, why? Why was this man so savage? Like why? Like Gus, he showed him love. So Mike Tyson can open up and fight for him. I felt like Mike Tyson as a kid and him growing up and I but what he grew up in uh Catskill, New York, I think, or uh I think Brown 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 something like that. Brownsville. Brownsville, which was a tough spot, I've heard. Like very, very tough spot. I mean, drug levels up there high, crime rate high. Um I felt like Mike didn't really want to fight at that time because it was one thing that was missing. It was one thing that was love though. It was love. He didn't have love from his mom. His dad wasn't around. So I remember on a documentary, Mike was talking like, yeah, man, you know, I was one of the Jack boys out there. I would go in people's houses and I would go in there and take their TVs and this and that. 
Well, that's just like in any neighborhood, people. If you ain't got love, most of the time you're going to go out there and you're going to try to find it your way. And that's what Mike did. Was it the right thing to do at the time? Maybe not. That's not up for me to to, to judge or discuss. But um, he had a very unique path. He had a very unique path. But when Gus came in and when he accepted Mike as his own and brought him into his house to live with him and his wife, I feel like that opened Mike up to a whole new level of life that he wanted to fight for. You know what I'm saying? Um, and it, it was just that that just goes to show, like, for all the, you know, kids out there mainly, just if you feel like you ain't got love, if you don't feel like you getting it, you know, talk to somebody. Don't you ain't got to go look for it, because if you go look for it, it's not going to be the type of love that you expected. It's not point blank period um but yeah man that, that just kind of got me to thinking about that man uh because we seen we seen that that infamous day like you brought up on what happened to mike when he went over to japan he fought buster douglas keep in mind mike's mom just passed Or Buster Douglas. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, people. Buster Douglas' mom just passed. So that was extra motivation for him to get in there and do what he had to do. Mike already admitted. He already admitted that he may and may not have. I Don't quote me on this, but I've have heard around grapevines that maybe he was under the influence in that fight. Um, So... And not there's no excuse, but like like we said earlier in the podcast, that goes back to your mentality. It goes back to that. And uh, I mean, man, Mike, you you can't take that away because that was part of his story. That was part of what made him a savage. That's what part of made him fearless. Um. And the guy, he ends up saying, I think he went on uh, Jimmy Fallon. He, he was on one of the late night shows. This man was actually up under hypnosis. Mike Tyson was actually up under hypnosis. That's what he would say. When they would ring that bell, he would forget everything. You guys can go look that up because I've seen it for myself. It, it's on YouTube right now. I, I would say, no way. No way this guy was up under it. Yes, he was. He admitted that he was. And I was like, okay, a guy that's already like a ravaged pit bull, you know, up under hypnosis. No, thank you. <laughs> no, thank you. Not me. Not at all. So, man, like I said, give it up for Mike, man. And uh, definitely one of my idols. Definitely a goat, man. And uh, yeah, man, you, you got to. You got to give credit where it's due. You got to. Yep. So back to AB one more time before we uh, talk about some other boxers. Um, he, he had the right mindset, I think, early in his career. But then it started getting, he started steering off. It was like a person that's, 
you got directions on your GPS and it's saying go straight or whatever. And eventually instead of going straight, somehow you did a U-turn or something. Um, but like Kuzo said, you know, um, he definitely was going up in competition against different boxers. Um, Porter was definitely the fight that's going to stick out because he's fighting somebody who's a pressure fighter. Somebody, um, I want to say at the time had no losses and a difficult style for anybody. And, uh, AB was able to drop him late in the fight. Um, I think early in the fight, AB was showboating and gave a lot of rounds away due to him, um, just being, you know, boisterous like he is, you know, not being so serious. And he gave away early rounds to where it went so far in when you were, when you're in the sixth or seventh round and you're behind so many rounds, you only got five rounds left. It's pretty much over. You know what I'm saying? If you're fighting a 12 round fight, the easiest way for you to win is if you can start early and secure at least four rounds in the first half, then you only have to get three more rounds in the second half to lock it in. As long as you're at seven, five, eight to four, you know, if you only get six rounds, the other person gets six, it's likely going to be a draw. So, um, if you could have secured four rounds early in that fight against Porter and then secured three more rounds, that would have gave him seven rounds he needed. And the round that he dropped him more than likely, that's the round he won. Um, let me see. He fought, uh, Pauli Malinaji. That was a nice, uh, good fight. And even with, and I think people too, this is my aspect on stuff. Resumes do mean a lot to me. People try to overlook resumes. But what that shows is that a person is not trying to protect their O, but they're also daring to be great. They're trying to push it up a notch, you know, to really see how good they really are. Because if you keep fighting a C-level fighter, or you go from a C-level fighter to an A-level, back to a C-level, what is that saying? That's showing inconsistency. And I hate to say it, but I'm just going to say it. But to me, Tyson Fury shows those type of erratic behaviors with his opposition. I'm not saying the guy. See, when people say he's the best, I will say he's the best on paper because his record is a zero. However, I'm looking at it from different aspects too. I'm looking at the resume on who you fight and when you fight, you know, cause it's like, I didn't follow him early. Um, when I got back into boxing, I kind of stopped watching boxing just to give you a quick backstory. Um, like I said, Mike Tyson was my favorite back in 87. And then in the nineties, I started liking Holyfield just as much as I liked Tyson. So when they fought, I really couldn't pick a side cause I had, much love for both guys. Um, and then Lennox Lewis came into the picture and I'll be honest. I did not care for Lennox Lewis a bit. I was never a fan. And when Mike and Evander fought him, I wanted them to whoop 
Linux on GP because I just couldn't stand him. Um, I didn't really like his his style at that time. But then in hindsight, I go back and review his stuff now and I put some respect on Linux Lewis's name. Um, and I, and I can be real and say, Hey, I wasn't a fan. So I'm not going to sit back here and perp like, Oh yeah. You know, I was always with Linux Lewis cause I wasn't, but looking at it now on what he did, I have so much respect for Linux Lewis and here's why. He fought people like um, Ray Mercer, who was rugged and rough, had a good chin. Um, Ray Mercer fought Holyfield. Uh, Ray Mercer, unfortunately, never got the chance to fight Mike Tyson. I think Tyson, I can't remember who he fought on why that didn't happen. Um, anyways, uh, Lennox Lewis fought Razor Ruddock, another dangerous opponent. Um, he fought Shannon Briggs, which is from Mike Tyson's neighborhood from Brownsville, Brooklyn uh, area, I believe in New York. He fought Shannon the Cannon. Uh, Lennox Lewis fought Vladimir Klitschko's brother, Vitaly Klitschko, which people say Vitaly was the better of the two. And he had a, a knockout drag out with him. Um, Lennox Lewis fought Mike Tyson and Evander Holyfield. He fought David Tua. So Lennox Lewis was fighting all these monsters in, in boxing. And yeah, we're not going to leave out the fact he was knocked out cold twice. Uh, Oliver McCall knocked out Lennox Lewis and um, Hasin Rahman. But what did Lennox Lewis do? He got with uh, Emmanuel Stewart, Crunk, Crunk Style Gym, uh, four hours north up in Detroit, Michigan. And he learned how to sit on his punches with maximum power and also learn how to use his height and reach advantage, which I do think that's something that AJ could work on. But we'll talk about that later. Uh, But he learned how to be a that boxer, he was already like a boxer. Now he was learning how to be a puncher. So that's a dangerous, a dangerous person when you can box and you can knock out your opponent. You got the best of both worlds. Uh, and Lennox was tall. Um, I would have to Google it, but I think Lennox was like six, four. And back then the heavyweights wasn't like how they are now where you got Joshua six, six, um, Deontay Wilder, 6'7". Uh, Tyson Fury, 6'9". You got some big, tall guys out here. Real big. But back then, you didn't have many tall guys besides Klitschko and uh, Lennox Lewis. And Galata, Andrew Galata. Um, so, you know, man, Lennox Lewis fought any and everybody. And although he lost against Rockman and McCall, he rematched those guys and got his knockout and got his revenge. So that's a good record to only lose two people come back, avenge those losses. And what made him special, he was the last undisputed champion. And that's what we are wanting of wanting 
and challenging this era about. We know, or at least we believe, Alexander Usyk wants to be undisputed because he said after he beat Anthony Joshua in a rematch, the only fight I want now is undisputed. I want Tyson Fury because that's the last belt he would need, that WBC belt. Um, And then, consequently, within a short frame of time, uh, Usyk saying he's, he's injured. I don't know what injuries they are. Uh, we will try to do more research. Um, but he's saying he's injured and he will not fight Fury this December. So it won't be this year. It will be next year, probably in springtime around Super Bowl here in America. Um, now Tyson Fury is clapping back and he's saying that subliminally for those who may or may not know because if you don't follow boxing as much he used the reference bodybuilder <laughs> and he was talking about uh, Anthony Joshua saying that Usyk beat the bodybuilder and that um, and you know like Tyson Fury, why we why we talking to him, Cuzzo? Something I just showed you when we came in. I'm thinking, <laughs> I'm thinking as a fan, I'm like, oh man, you know, Tyson Fury, he's he's in, he's in retirement. He he's for sure in a gym somewhere, bro. He's going hard. He's in a gym somewhere up in London. He he's he's in a wall. Uh, a hole in the wall gym just going hard, you know, just in case somebody calls him out. <laughs> no, no, people. He's not. He's not. I look at my television screen and I see him on WWE programming. <laughs> wow. Wow, Tyson. Wow. Like, seriously, man. Like, bro, you're doing all this clapping back. You're 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 calling AJ a bodybuilder. You're 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 clapping back at Usyk, brother. It's one way to solve this, brother. Step in the ring. Step in the ring, man. What what exactly? What are you waiting on? Exactly what are you waiting on? Because guess what? A lot. Hey, you still got that thing around your waist, don't you? You still got it, right? Oh, and you you're you're a defending champion, right? Put your belt up. Put your money where your mouth is, partner. Come on, man, do it. Let's just do it. Like, come on, man. Dillian White. You fought Dillian White. And look, listen, I'm not being I'm not I'm not being biased. I'm not I'm not I'm talking from a spectator's uh stand stand view. So you you beat Dillian White easy. You beat him easy. If you're a defending champion, stop ducking. We're 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 in a sport called boxing. And like Cuzzo brought up back in the day, all of the best champions were challenging one another. They were. They were challenging one another. Because it wasn't about, oh, let me let me turn this this way so I can get this amount of money for this. Or let me let me see what this guy's doing in December. So maybe he'll be a little you know, maybe an age older and maybe I can get him in. No, 
they fought the best of the best back in the day. That's what made that era so special. And with me being a boxing fan, I'm more of a honestly, I'm more of a newer boxing fan. Cuzzo and and uh Cuzzo Tone, true boxing historians. I respect y'all, respect y'all opinion, everything. They're true boxing historians. They they've watched countless hours of boxing, so they would know. But even for me being a new boxing fan, I know that the guys back in the day had a lot more respect for one another and for the sport and for the culture of boxing. I know they did. Um, but that just gets me to the one point that I just wanted to make. Like I said, Tyson Fury, if you're calling him a bodybuilder, if you're calling out Usyk and saying that he's not good either, prove it it's that easy it's nobody else that you gotta go through it's nobody else you know who you have to fight as fans we know who you have to fight you've made your way up this hill of fighters and you you have work brother that's undone give the culture give the fans give the sport of boxing what it needs that's 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 it. Yeah, so speaking um on Tyson Fury, um yeah, I do understand there's nothing he can do if Usyk is injured and he needs to the de- to delay the fight till uh twenty twenty three. However, there is probably a few prospects that are more than willing to fight Tyson Fury. So, what about um, somebody like uh, Anthony Joshua? Um, Anthony Joshua uh, lost his very first fight against Andy the Destroyer Ruiz a few years ago. Um, he had a rematch and and one uh using a more scientific boxing style hit and don't get hit method and he beat um Andy Ruiz over in Saudi Arabia with um giving uh Ruiz a career high high uh payday so that being said if Usyk is on the sideline just momentarily because he needs time to whatever's injured. I don't know if he got injured by AJ because AJ was rough on him on this last fight. That could have took a lot out of Usyk. Uh, but I'll say this. AJ's an open man and he's more than willing in, to fight uh, Tyson Fury. That's a fight he always wanted. Uh, Tyson Fury got the momentum because he hasn't lost. And he came off of a win with Dillian White. AJ's coming off of two losses. So you might feel like mentally he's more struggling or whatever. So, okay. If you need a fight to keep you warmed up and you don't want ring rust, give AJ a fight right now. Tyson Fury, fight AJ. Uh, Because we know tomorrow Ruiz and Ortiz is fighting. So that's not an option. Uh, soon Joe Joyce is fighting 
Joseph Parker. Um, and then Daniel Dubois, he's been calling out Dillian White, I believe. So that's going to be a good one. Two guys who were, um, you know, not at the top with Tyson Fury, but they're like a step or two down. So Dillian White and uh, Triple D, that's a good, that's a good matchup. Uh, but like I said, AJ is that open man. So Fury, um, here's your opportunity. I think it'll still be a good payday because we know Eddie Hearn is all about the chips when it comes about money. Uh, he don't play about money, you know. So get the venue set up, things of that nature, and make it happen. I would love to see Fury versus AJ. And um, <clears throat> you know now switching, switching over to to the smaller guys. Let's talk about some of the smaller guys, man. This is. It's a lot of, a lot of smaller guys out there that's, that's that's doing it real big right now, man. Uh, last topic of the day: Geronte Tank Davis. Geronte Tank Davis, man, what a fighter! Had had twenty seven total fights so far, twenty seven wins, twenty five of those by knockout. As of June 2022, Davis is ranked as the world's 10th best active boxer pound for pound by the Boxing Writers Association of America. He's also ranked as the world's best active lightweight by BoxRec, third by ESPN, and fifth by the Transnational Boxing Rankings Board and Ring Magazine. And people, he's known for his punch-out power. Oh yeah, a boy got a bazooka behind him. Davis knockout to win percentage stands at 93%. Which brings me to my point. Because oh, it's a whole lot of smoke out there for Tank Davis, man. whole lot of smoke that he's stepped in and cleared. I recently found out, just now as we're speaking, that Ryan Garcia... As issuing a match to Tank for December. Interesting. That's, that's very, very interesting. Uh, for a fighter like Tank, man, y'all gotta y'all gotta understand that Tank is at the top of his level right now, at a very, very high level. Hailing from Baltimore, I mean, the kid has had a he's had a tough life. Really have, man. I'm I'm proud of a young man that's doing this in the ring, man. Um but for Tank to excel, I feel like more in this boxing world, I feel like he has to get off the stoop, per se. I feel like he has to and what I mean by getting off the stoop, I mean respectfully. Leaving Mayweather promotions. That's just me. That's just me, cause oh, uh, I, I think he gotta leave, man. I think he should stand on his own two feet, and be in his, be his own man, because as a fighter, that's what you wanna do. You wanna you wanna go out. You wanna prove that you're the best. You wanna fight the best. You want to be the best. And sometimes I feel like he's being held back. I feel, especially I feel like on the other end, I feel like 
Oscar De La Hoya is holding Ryan Garcia back, but that's for a different reason. That's for a whole entirely different reason. Um, I think they know the skill of Tank. Um, Garcia, he's a he's a pretty he's a he's a solid fighter. He's solid. Um, and again, people, this is my opinion. Uh, do I think he's elite? Uh, we we have to wait and see. We have to wait and see because I mean, cause like help me out, like who, who exactly has Ryan Garcia fault for us to say he's an elite fighter? Um, I think his best moment was um, Ryan Garcia defeating um, Luke Campbell, who dropped him first, and then he came back and won in pretty dramatic fashion. So kudos i can't take that from him yeah when you drop first and you got the willpower to get up um then he fought i'm not sure who, who he fought after that but i do recall it seemed like his maybe his last fight that i remember seeing was uh against fortuna and that was not really a great um a, a great um uh, fight um, on behalf of uh, Ryan Garcia because he wasn't fighting somebody who was this remarkable person um, like Fortuna or whatever his name wasn't as big as Luke Campbell um, and he did not look uh, you know he just didn't look too good in that fight at all I mean uh, Fortuna like he was just there to survive but he managed to be able to do so I got, a, I got a question for you, uh, Kazo, too. Like, where do you think... Because, I mean, they, they said that this fight is possibly uh, supposed to happen in December. So, like, let's let's go back and look at Tank's more recent fights. He had a fight against Roly Romero, May 28th of this year. He had a fight against Isaac Pickbull Cruz, December 5th of last year. He had a fight against Mario Barrios. What a fight that was, too, man. I mean, Barrios wouldn't go away at all. Like, that was June 26th of last year. And, man, that crazy, crazy knockout versus Leo Santa Cruz. October 31st on Halloween of 2020. And then you go back December 28th of 2019 where he fought a hungry Gamboa. Like, my question is... Like if it if this fight does happen with Ryan Garcia in December, how does he stack up the tank and how does he compare with the guys that he's already fought? Well, uh in that regard, he does have the uh the some advantages. Um Ryan's gonna be taller, he's gonna be more lengthy. He does have nice power. He he does have pack a punt um but we haven't seen him against somebody who hits like tank either so we have to keep that real he has not fought somebody who possesses the power of tank and people i think tend to think tank is like a, a deontay wilder in a sense yeah but he's different and i say that because When Wilder, from what I analyze with Wilder, when he's fighting his opponents, 
um, he's lining you up for that right hand. He's generally using his left hand to paw and to measure his opponent in the distance. Like he did with Ortiz. And I'm surprised Ortiz knowing boxing didn't catch on to the setup. The setup was there that when Wilder was putting that left out there to measure the distance of Ortiz and then that right just came so fast, you know, he didn't see it coming, but he should have knew that the left was there as the range finder. He should have knew like, okay, I need to do more movement to not let him paw and, and let that left. You know what I mean? He should have deflected and negated that with tanks power. Yeah, he does have tremendous power for his size, but he's different from Wilder where if you look at the, the Roley fight was a good example. He took some pretty good punches like Romero. He landed some solid punches on tank, but tank knew how to maneuver and you know, how to, how to move pivot, turn back around. And he was able to catch him cleanly. And really what he caught him, it was Romero being overzealous kept coming in. You know what I mean? He kept trying to go. See, that's the thing about a person like Romero who wants to knock out. When you're going, Andrew Ruiz made a good point too. When a, your opponent is coming for you to knock you out, they don't realize that they're also putting themselves at risk because they leave themselves vulnerable and open to counter punches or, or some type of trap. So like even Ortiz, people were saying he will knock out Ruiz tomorrow night. Well, him going for the knockout, it could be fatal for him. Because we saw it happen with AJ. AJ hit Ruiz with a one-two. Well, actually, he threw three punches. He threw a quick three-punch combo. The first punch missed. And then AJ caught him with an uppercut and the hook. And if you look at the slow motion, it was powerful. Um... It was more shocking to Ruiz because just that fast he was on the floor and probably didn't realize how he got there. So he got back up to his feet and AJ got within striking distance and hit him with another right hand. And somehow he, he stood up and took that punch. Um, And then it was on. And then it went from AJ trying to knock him out now AJ's getting overzealous because he's standing in close quarters with a shorter fighter with shorter arms and who has faster uh, hands. So in the midst of them exchanging, uh, Ruiz did the bob and weave. He tucked under a few of AJ's punches and when he came up, he hit him with a left, looping left, and it hit AJ like on his ear or just behind his ear in that area where it um it just knocked off his whole equilibrium. It was a wrap. He just never recovered. So Ortiz needs to be careful tomorrow night that he doesn't try to bum rush Ruiz because one thing we can say about Ruiz in all his fights, he's never been knocked out. He's been dropped by two opponents and he got right back up. Literally like a light switch. So I haven't seen him hurt to where you're like, oh my God, he's ready to go. You've never seen that from Ruiz. Um, 
and I can't see Ortiz being an, being an exception to say, oh, he's going to knock him out. Based on what? What has Ortiz done? And people can't never really speak on it. What has he done in his past to make you say he's going to knock out Ruiz? Go look up Ortiz's fights. His best win was like a rank five fighter, uh, Jennings. Besides Jennings, that was like seven years ago. The only thing he's done remarkable since then was uh, hurt Deontay Wilder in round seven in the first fight and couldn't finish and couldn't close the show. And that's another thing. When you got a fighter hurt like Wilder, being as dangerous as he is, if you can't get him to go, you're in trouble. Because Wilder, all, need, all he needs is one punch. So if you hurt that man, you need to go ahead and finish him right then and there. That's the key to beating him. And that's where I see AJ having a potential chance at beating him. If he can let the, the psyche in his mind open up enough and he can just press the gas. If AJ can hurt um, Wilder first, he can finish him. But that's a big if. But I'm not being biased because if Wilder hits AJ, he knock him out too. So I'm not going to be the person to say, oh, Wilder's going to knock him out or AJ's going to knock out Wilder. To me, it's a 50-50. Whoever lands flush first in that scenario. But um, with Tank and Garcia, um, like I said, Garcia's never fought somebody who hits like Tank. And Tank is not just a power puncher alone. He has some type of ring IQ. He knows how to get out of trouble. He sees things in his opponent, like he saw Roley. He could see that Roley was constantly being aggressive round after round. So in the back of his mind, he was thinking, okay, at some point, he's going to slip up. And that's exactly what happened. He ran right into um, Tank's fist. And that wasn't even a full force punch. So just imagine if, if Garcia catches something like that. How would he, you know what I'm saying? How is he going to take that type of punch, that type of power? It remains to be seen. And yeah, man, like it, it does. It remains to be seen. Um, And like a lot of times, because of what I noticed about Garcia and what the commentators were saying in the last fight, he lo- he loves to bully. He loves to bully in his fights. Um, and I can't, I will say, I will say this, Ryan Garcia, he's with all the smoke when he get in there. He he is, he is, and I see it, rarely steps back, rarely steps back from what I see. I mean, last fight with Fortuna, yeah, yeah kind of, you know, kind of had moments, but I mean, usually he's the bully, but I think I told y'all this like two weeks ago. I, I think I asked y'all this. Like, what happens when a bully gets bullied? What happens? Man, we haven't we haven't seen that yet because hey, this isn't Luke Campbell. This isn't Fortuna. This this is a guy that's actually gonna be right there to match up with you. And like you said, against Roly, Tank hit him with a nice stout shot, but was it a flush shot? I don't think so. I don't really think it was a flush shot out like that. The the one that he hit him with against the it was a nice shot, but it wasn't like 
I don't think he put all. I don't think he put all of his power behind it. I, I really don't. That's what it seemed from the outside. Of course, I don't know, but I mean, it that that's quite interesting. But uh, I would love to go right here, man, to uh to to the trash talk on Twitter. And I quote Ryan Garcia puts in big bold letters December with eye emojis. Geronte responds, "Everybody have balls this week." Then Ryan Garcia says, just lead his tweet up. Stand by your word this time. Okay, kid? Hmm. Interesting. Very, very interesting. Then it, then it goes. Geronte says, LOL. Okay. You did agree to everything. And Ryan Garcia finishes off the conversation by saying, isn't it funny? You only went up and wait at 140 to fight Mario. But with me, you didn't. Shows that you are not that confident in looking for any edge. Nothing going to save you. Remember that. No edge can stop what's already destined. True. Very, very uh, big fighting words from Ryan Garcia. Uh, I think this is a, I think this is an interesting turn, man. I think it'll be a great fight for December. Uh, early Christmas gift. Uh, why don't you? Um, and I mean, and through all of this, through all of this, uh, I'm, I'm also looking as well. And, uh, Oscar De La Hoya gave a message to Tank to help set up the fight. He says, I'm ready to offer you a multi, multi, multi-million dollar deal to fight Ryan Garcia. That's what he told TMZ Sports. Um, so it, it comes down to this like somebody's not telling the truth here people i don't know what look listen i don't know what it is i don't know if it's just me or i don't know if it's this is actually what i'm thinking i, I don't know maybe I'm, I'm a little confused so maybe the viewers and people maybe y'all can help me out but somebody isn't telling the truth something is not sitting right here this fight was supposed to happen like two years ago um and there's no better time than, than it to happen now. Look, look, they're both at the peaks of their careers. They right there. They're on a, a a path to collide right now. But you throw in a knuckleball, you throw in a curveball, then it's, it's a Devin Haney out there, too. He's now in a conversation. Man, hey, y'all, I'm telling y'all, boxing is about to get very, very, very interesting, man. And, uh... Hey, you got any last remarks, Kozo? Yeah, so two more things I wanted to talk about was uh, Canelo and um, kind of talking about what Kozo spoke about earlier uh, in regards to just boxing back in the old school, how everybody fought everybody, top contender versus top contender, elite versus elite. That being said, um, for those who know me, they know as far as heavyweights, AJ is my main guy. Uh, I'm a fan, so I'm going to stick loyal with him regardless of three losses. Uh, I have a lot of respect for Andy Ruiz being able to, um, the person to stop the guy I'm a fan of. Um, so AJ is my top man in the heavyweights. Um, in the smaller division, I'm, I'm a, um, tank fan. We just spoke about tank and I'm also a Spence fan. 
So let's talk about strap season. Um, let the fans win. You know, we're the one that pay the pay-per-views and things of that nature. So we want to see Spence versus Crawford. That's huge. That's like Hearns versus Hagler and Leonard versus Hagler. You know, these are what you call a super fight. That's like uh, Fury versus Usyk when it happens, you know. They're fighting for Undisputed. So these are just the pivotal um, upper echelon uh, fights, man. Uh, and then I'm going to touch on Canelo real quick. It's something that I saw on uh, YouTube uh, with Mr. Benavidez, which was... Uh, Okay, so on our next episode, we'll fall more into Canelo, and we'll talk about that. So, peace out from Bean. And peace out from your boy, Kendall G, man. It's been a pleasure, man. Uh, make sure y'all join us next. Uh, we'll actually be doing a, a, a live one tomorrow for the, the Ortiz and Louise fight. So, uh, make sure y'all tune in, man. Uh, we got a whole lot of interesting topics coming, so... Uh, we definitely thank y'all and definitely thank y'all for all the love and support. Appreciate y'all.